You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Good morning. We are in the midst of our series, What's the Point?, in which uh, we are uh, going through the Torah and going through Jewish life and practice and um, uh, looking mitzvah by mitzvah, ritual act by ritual act um, that were commanded in Judaism, um, uh, to ask ourselves, what's the point? What's the point of of doing this? Why is this a part of, uh, of Jewish life? The assumption being that, um, um, uh, in the words of Rabbi Erwin Kula, uh, that uh, that every commandment, every aspect of Judaism was developed um, in order to um, to to do a job, to do a particular job. It had it's a it's a tool to achieve a particular end. Um, and the question that we um, are to ask ourselves is, you know, what, what is the end? What is the job that this commandment, that this mitzvah is trying to get done? And then a secondary question is, um, a secondary question is, uh, why this particular tool to get that job done? Uh, and the third question is um, whether this is a job that uh, we need to get done in the first place. Is this something that, that we need? Is this something that, that's necessary for our lives as, as human beings? Is it something that's, that's good, that helps us be better human beings? In the words of uh, my, my teacher, Rabbi Brad Hirschfield, if, if, if Jewish is a way of being human, then how does this Jewish act make us more fully human? Make us better humans. Enable us to flourish as human beings. We're not the first uh, Jewish generation to ask these questions. Jews have been asking this uh, for, uh, for, for centuries. Uh, and uh, classically, it uh, has fallen under a category of literature called Ta'ameh HaMitzvot, which means rationales for the commandments. Um, it's interesting to note that most of the literature for, for Ta'ameh HaMitzvot uh, of rationales for commandments has come from uh, Jews in um, uh, medieval um, Muslim countries um, because it was a society of a relative amount of freedom where Jews, uh, for the most part, could actually float in and out of the Jewish community um, uh, if, if they so desired, if they so chose, um, which meant that uh, um, there was a, a certain uh, um, uh, amount of pressure on the religious leaders of the time to, to offer a, uh, a really compelling take on Judaism. Because if you can choose Judaism, or if you can choose not to do Jewish, then, the, uh, then, then some of the categories of, well, you know, you do this because it's what Jews do. Or you do this because God will punish you if you don't. Or you do this because the Beit Din will punish you if you don't. Um, those uh, arguments are not compelling in a, in a, in a free and open society. The, the compelling argument is um, that, uh, that, that uh, a Jewish practice, um, we do it because it makes sense. We do it because it's reasonable. We do it because it makes us better people. We do it because it helps us make the world a better place. And there is no better way um, of doing that work than through this system of practices. Or at least, 
that there may be other be- there may be other ways as good, but this is the Jewish way of doing it. And if you want to uh, both be Jewish and to uh, to fulfill this human need, um, then this is the way Jews have classically done it. So we need to make a uh, a, a compelling case for why Judaism. What's the point? And I think that that's really the uh, challenge of our era today. Um, in, a, uh, uh, in, in, a, in a free society, both in America and in Israel, the two major uh, seats of the Jewish community. Uh, most Jews um, uh, don't and will not observe uh, uh, Jewish practices um, solely because um, it will make them more Jewish, or it's just what Jews do. Um, that, uh, that has sort of uh, um, uh, gone uh, out the window in, in, a, in a free and open era. Um, so it, 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 it compels us to look deeply in the Jewish tradition and say, what's the job that this uh, uh, tradition is trying to get done? What are the jobs that it's trying to get done? And does it do a good job of them? And are they necessary jobs? Right, so that's the challenge. So we looked at uh, the counting of the Omer as one uh, test case. Uh, we looked at uh, last week the uh, Yovel, the Jubilee year, um, as another test case. And this week we're going to look at a uh, practice known as, uh, as uh, Bikurim, uh, the bringing of the first fruits, um, as, uh, as, as another uh, um, uh, study in this. Uh, so we're studying uh, the, this, the, the case of the Bikurim this week because uh, the holiday coming up on the Jewish calendar is Shavuot, Pentecost. Uh, and uh, historically, this was the time uh, when uh, the uh, ancient Israelites, the ancient Jews, would bring their uh, bikurim, their first fruits, to the temple. The Torah commands um, that uh, that we're supposed to bring our uh, first uh, grown, our first uh, our, our first ripe. Uh, produce um, uh, to the the temple each year um, when it is grown in the land of Israel, and when it comes from one of the seven indigenous species of the land of Israel: wheat, barley, grapes, figs, pomegranates, olives, and dates. So, if you're a farmer in the land of Israel and you uh, grow one of these uh, uh, crops. Um, uh, or if you are just uh, the average person, you happen to have a pomegranate tree in your yard. Um, every year that uh, um, the, the, the tree yields a new crop of, uh, of these fruits, you're supposed to gather that, uh, that, that first harvest and take it with you to, uh, on pilgrimage to Jerusalem, um, where you donate it uh, to the temple. And as an ancillary note, uh, there's a lot of, uh, um, there's supposed to be, you're not supposed to just like throw it in a sack. Um, and schlep it with you to Jerusalem. You're supposed to uh, put it in a nice platter, a nice presentation, a nice basket, adorned with palm fronds. You're supposed to carry it in a processional, in a, in a parade into Jerusalem. There'd be um, oxen with golden wreaths and, and people playing uh, musical instruments marching in front of you. And there's a whole uh, pomp and circumstance that reminds me, in the Mishnah's description, it reminds me of a Roman uh, triumph ceremony. Um, uh, where you would uh, sort of uh, uh, proceed uh, to bring these uh, first-born fruits to the temple, and you would give it uh, as a gift to the temple, and uh, could be consumed by the priest. So the question we're asking ourselves about this <clears throat> is, what's the point of Bikurim? Why is this a commandment in the Torah? Why is this something that we should care about or that our tradition should care about? Why is this something that's uh, specifically connected to Shavuot, the holiday where we celebrate receiving the Torah? 
um, and, uh, and and how does how do we relate to the commandments uh, in a time where there's no temple? Um, does it uh, d- does it have any relevance uh, still today, even to think about it or to talk about it? Um, and uh, what, what's the job that it was trying to get done? Is it an important job to get done? Are there other jobs that maybe we should be focused on more? And is this the right kind of tool to get that job done? Okay, so those are the questions that we're dealing with with Bikurim. And we're looking at Sefer Achinuch, which is a 13th century uh, uh, Spanish uh, text um, explicating the commandments. And the Sefer Achinuch says, Misharshei ha-mitzvah, k'day l'ha'alot devar Hashem yitbarach al-rosh simchatenu. The essence of the commandment is to elevate the word of God, may God be blessed, um, above our own joy. And to remember and to make known um, that uh, all of the uh, blessings in the world come to us solely from God's providence. In other words, we... Bring the bikurim. Where if we if we grow our our our, uh, our produce, that we're naturally joyous, celebrating the fact that now this new year has come and we have a new crop that uh, that uh, we're able to enjoy. We've put in a lot of work and time and effort and nurturing into the soil, into tilling the land, into preparing, and we are. And this is our livelihood for many people who are farmers in the land of Israel. This is right, so we're, we're, we're naturally very joyous. And on top of it, we have a festival that we're celebrating, right? Uh, the festival of uh, receiving the Torah, right? Naturally, we're, we're very joyous. Uh, we have a lot, of, uh, a lot to celebrate. And so the, what, the, what the commandment is trying to do is to tell us to elevate devotion to God above our own joy. To elevate commitment to the divine above our own celebration. To recognize that we would have nothing to celebrate were it not for God. This is an important thing to uh, to, to acknowledge, I mean, and we've lost a lot of this in in, uh, in, in a culture in which very few of us are uh, agrarian anymore, and very few of us uh, grow crops. But the amount of uh, real um, uh, vulnerability and dependency that, uh, that, that we have, um, uh, uh, and, uh, and the fact that, uh, um, uh, that uh, it, it, is, it is both easy to forget that dependency, it's easy to um, uh, approach the land as if we're in control of it, um, and that we're, you know, on our own in the, in the farms, um, you know, working our, our backs off, without really acknowledging that we didn't create the soil, we didn't create the seed, we didn't create the rain, we didn't create the sky, we didn't create the sun, we didn't create the clouds. We don't control those things. Uh, and, uh, and, and so we didn't do it alone. That was all there for us. And so the, 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 the challenge of, uh, of, of, uh, of, of growing these first crops is, uh, is is the possibility of an overindulgent celebration of our own power. And too much overindulgent celebrations of our own power without a sense of gratitude, without a sense of our own vulnerability, without a sense of our own impotence in some way, is a very dangerous thing for human beings. 
it's dangerous on two levels. One, too much of that uh, thinking um, can uh, lead a person to, uh, to, to lead a, a, a pretty immoral life. When you're so convinced of your own power, and we, you know, the famous saying, uh, absolute power corrupts absolutely. When you're too convinced of your own power, you feel invulnerable. Um, people have the tendency to uh, stomp on others. And there's a, another side where it's dangerous, um, which is that uh, gratitude, um, a, a, an awareness within limits of our vulnerability, um, actually, in, in some way, paradoxically, makes us happier. The science, in a rising body of science is showing this, that, um, that, that the more thankful you are, the happier you tend to be. And the more you um, acknowledge your reliance on other people, the happier you tend to be. Uh, um, so, uh, which is also uh, corresponded to, uh, to, to research on religious communities, people who uh, report being religious um, and, uh, and, and uh, have a sense of, of, of reliance on God's providence, report that they tend to be happier than those who don't. It's an amazing thing. And so the, 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 I think one of the things that we're trying to cultivate here is, um, is our own um, ability to, uh, to, to flourish uh, as a human being, to live a life of happiness, to live a life of joy. And part of doing that, paradoxically, is elevating God above our own joy, elevating community above our own personal celebration. Elevating uh, um, uh, 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 higher values and higher ideals over our, our um, celebrations of ourselves. It makes us happier, and I think it makes us better people, more moral people. For this reason, it says, Alken nitstavinu lahavi lemesharte beito, reshita pri hamit bashel ilanotav. And so it's for this reason that we're commanded to, to bring to those who take care of God's house the first uh, produce um, who, that has grown in our trees. Um, and from out of uh, re- remembering uh, that uh, that these gifts come from God and um, and receiving uh, God's uh, sovereignty um, and uh, acknowledging our thanks in God's presence that uh, these uh, crops um, and uh, all good that comes to us in our lives uh, comes to us from God. We will be. We will be. Um, uh, we will merit uh, blessing, um, and our produce will be blessed. So I want to uh, talk about that for a second. One other thing I want to point out is that the Torah has an obsession with uh, with, with firstborn things. Um, so not only the the Bikurim here, but uh, some uh, are familiar with the custom of Pidyon Haben which is uh, to redeem our firstborn child, because according to the Torah, um, every firstborn male child um, is actually God's property. And so every firstborn male child is supposed to be given up to the temple to serve God. And what the Torah allows for is redeeming that child. So instead of giving the child, we give money to the priest in uh, place of that child, and that's a practice that Jews still do today. And I think that the rationale is very similar to the rationale of Bikurim, 
Right, the idea that, uh, that that our firstborn child gives a, uh, um, a, a a tremendous sense of our own power to create, and it can lead to an inflated sense of our own power to create, without uh, acknowledging that so much of the process of conception and birth is totally out of our control. Now you can be uh, you can look at it from the atheist perspective, the scientific perspective. Uh, and say that it's true, but that doesn't mean it's in God's control. Okay, that's that's fine. I'll I'll, I'll grant that. But still, right? Um, uh, even people who have an awareness of all the uh, scientific issues and all the biological issues that go into conception and childbirth um, acknowledge that there's so much out of the control of uh, of of, uh, of the father, and and even out of the control of the mother, and even out of control of the experts and the doctors. Right. So. Um, uh, so, uh, but, but when we give birth to our first child, and I can acknowledge this myself, there's a, uh, there's, there's the elation of it is look what I was able to do. Look what I was able to achieve. And, uh, that, uh, um, and it's possible to uh, be overwhelmed with a sense of your own potence. So the Torah comes to teach that we give up that firstborn to God, that we give up our firstborn fruits to God, Right as a reminder that we are uh, not totally in control. And for our good, we remind ourselves that we're not totally in control, we're not totally powerful, that we're vulnerable, that we have weakness, that we have a reliance on things outside of ourselves. And that's not only important morally, but that's important psychologically. It's important in terms of our own well-being and our own happiness. And so the acknowledgement is that uh, we, 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 we place others and we place uh, God and we place our institutions above ourselves. <clears throat> and so we give our firstborn produce to the temple and to the priests, knowing that we aren't solely responsible for its coming into the world. And so therefore, some of it Maybe the best of it needs to go back to the community, back to God, in a sense of justice, in a sense of evenness, and in a sense of gratitude. And by doing this, according to the Sefer HaChinuch, um, we will be fit for, to receive a blessing, we'll be worthy of blessing. And I think that that is a... Uh, a, a, a um, a, a, a different language for, for just what I've been talking about. Um, we will be deserving of good things happening to us in our life if we do good things. And in fact, um, there is a tremendous amount of good just from the act of giving and of giving the best and of doing so out of joy and out of love. And there's a tremendous amount of blessing that comes um, from the uh, from the moral acknowledgement of our own uh, fallibility and our own weakness and our own reliance on God and on others. And I think that there's also a social dimension to this as well. Um, and it uh, is part of a uh, larger system of laws in the Jewish tradition governing um, agriculture in the land of Israel um, and governing um, the, the Jewish values of the land of Israel. I mean, these are um, income taxes in some way, 
right? And so the uh, the, the wealthiest, um, those who own the most land, those who um, uh, uh, have the most produce, will bring the most, and make sure that the priests who uh, serve the entire community, not just the wealthy, um, are fed, and make sure that the temple, which serves the entire community, not just the wealthy, is uh, kept up. So the rich pay more, and the poor pay less. And in that sense, um, uh, uh, there's, a, there's a, a social equality and a social justice uh, in, uh, in, 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 in the culture. Right? There's also truma and maser, the tithes that we give to the priests and the Levites. There's a, an additional uh, um, uh, tithe that goes to the temple every other year, and an additional tithe in the opposite years um, that goes to the poor. And on top of that, there's the uh, corners of the field that we leave uh, um, uh, unharvested for the poor to come and glean. We're not supposed to pick up uh, produce that we drop when we're harvesting our fields. Um, uh, these are all um, uh, measures um, of taxation uh, to enforce on, uh, on, on the people who own the most that they have a responsibility to give the most. And that, um, that their possessions don't entirely belong to them. And that they have an obligation uh, to the common good to make sure that those who don't have who don't have the capacity, who don't have the means, um, uh, have the same uh, ability to, uh, to live and to thrive as they do. And that is, I think, a piece of this as well, right? To call it the law of karma about being worthy of blessing, right? The people who, uh, who, who care most about the well-being of others, about the spiritual and physical uh, and emotional lives of others, are also themselves the most blessed. And that, I think, is partially why this is uh, the ritual that is most associated with the holiday of Shavuot, of giving the Torah, because um, there is, I think, no greater uh, encapsulation of what the Torah is trying to move us toward than a sense of responsibility uh, to God and to others, um, in addition to a sense of responsibility to ourselves, and an awareness that we can't be fully responsible to ourselves unless we are responsible to God and to others. And that we can't, that we have to um, think uh, beyond ourselves. We can take care of ourselves, that's true. But first we need to make sure that, um, that, uh, that, that we've fulfilled our responsibilities socially and we've fulfilled our responsibilities religiously. We give our first fruits to the temple first. We give our gifts to the priests and the Levites first. We give our pre- gifts to the poor first. And then, knowing what's left, secure on what's left, we take care of ourselves. And that, in a holiday celebrating the giving of the Torah and the receiving of the Torah, is a very good encapsulation of what the Torah calls on each of us to do. And that, I think, is the job that Bikurim is trying to get done. Shalom. Shalom.